Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome. Hello, everyone. Hey, you. How's it hanging? (laughs) I love that. How's it hanging? Um, Oh, my my gosh. I'm just remembering all these like really childish retorts to that very question that I probably learned in like high school. Mm. And um, just for the sake of this being 2022 and not 1996, I'm going to actually... Um, but yeah, it's great. And you gave me a giggle by even asking. So thank you. Good, good. Yeah, That's what I'm here yeah. to do, right? You do. Uh, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how's it hanging over in Jersey? How you doing? Yeah, it's all right. Thanks. We're doing okay. We oh, are. Yes. Oh, yeah. Good. Well, I wanted to share that, um, I took this, this fabulous little trip to Philadelphia, uh, like over the weekend and I went to my, a bachelor party for a lovely girl I have not been to anything wedding related in years. And it was just, mm. it was like, like a kid in a candy shop. I, it yeah. was like the girls, there were like dicks everywhere, like dick themed everything, obviously. <laughs> um, it was just good camaraderie. You know, it's just amazing when you get around a group of girls and, and just like, we've all got like similar positions on yeah. sort of how the world treats us and how we mm. show up in the world and so forth. It's just so nice to get together with some seltzers and beer and, really yeah. chatted up. So I didn't sleep that night, had this carousing <laughs> night of like frivolity and like had a great time. So that's what hen parties all about. Oh my God, hen <laughs> parties. Isn't that lovely? Actually, I love hen parties as opposed to bachelorette. I think that yeah. hen parties, that's even better. Yeah. 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 It wasn't exactly them. like, yeah, renaming that's cool. Um, of course, everybody wants to have something that looks more like the, what was that film about like the batch party that was just insane? what's the the tiger the, the... um oh that was um oh my god it was just the best my mind now i know it was the vegas one wasn't it it was the vegas ve- yeah yeah bachelor party um uh, film the like yeah what happens in vegas stays in vegas the hangover the hangover, the hangover that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i was a wee bit actually I, i'm not gonna lie i actually slept at a bus stop on the ground at some point in time <laughs> I was actually passed out in the middle of um, some suburban Philadelphia, like bus stop, abandoned bus stop. I was like, I'm just going to sleep here for like half an hour until the bus (laughs) that never came would come. It never came. Anyways, so there was some, there was some interesting stuff. It was like a wild time. I did look homeless (laughs) for a brief period of time. (laughs) And it's so great because like sometimes you're like, man, I'm more mature and more of an adult than this. But it's just so funny sometimes to be like, I don't have my shit together right now. And it's great. Well, sometimes it's nice just to let loose as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Oh, totally not. It was a very calculated risk. It was like... Yeah, I was just kind of letting my hair down a little bit, so that was good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, good for you. I don't have I quite any stories like that about my weekend, but never mind. <laughs> and That's I do okay. feel like you were always traveling. You know, <laughs> and I'm always yeah. in this chair. <laughs> it's funny. I don't think that I am, but then I look back and I'm like, yeah, I guess I just traveled again. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, it it's not getting any easier, I have to say. Like, um, it, it's so weird. Like, air travel is just still so... Mm. 
bunged up and bogged down. So I do have to go down there like for the actual wedding in a couple of weeks. I'm like, screw this. I'm going to drive. It's an eight hour drive one way. And I'm like, I'm driving because if you put all the time together of like getting COVID testing and, and waiting in airports. Oh, um, yeah. The door-to-door yeah. time is actually. The door-to-door time. Yeah. Yeah. Girl, yeah. I'm driving. Me and my Ooh. car are going to have a bit of a workout in two weeks. Well, good for you. Go I for know. it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what's happening at the Relationship Desk of Love these days? If I said to you, in 20 years time, the only way you're going to meet somebody is through some virtual reality, would you think that was possible? Oh my God. I'm having this like doomsday, like Armageddon thought. And I'm, I'm thinking of like a, a wasteland of an earth where we, oh man, seriously? I don't <laughs> so, like the thought of this. Well, I have to say, I was reading this story about, um, about the metaverse and how it's going to impact oh. dating in the future. And it talked about in the article about how kind of 20 years ago, we didn't even have any online dating. I think, do you remember when people used to put personal ads in the newspaper? Like that oh, used to be a thing, right? that was right? fun? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved from kind of personal ads to online dating. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to move to this whole different realm of virtual reality dating, where you can meet multiple people in short spaces of time to allegedly strengthen your ability to find the the match for you. Um, but I also think it must be open to, I don't know, some sort of manipulation and a lot of kind of weirdos that just come out. Um, and it does make me a bit sad that we're not going to, people aren't just meeting face to face or... In that way, where they connect on a kind of physical as well as emotional and mental level. Because it's not just about, you know, can you imagine? It's just a little avatar that you get. So it's a bit like you're in a game, like the Mm -hmm. kids are playing computer games. Well, it's like that, but it's a virtual kind of dating chat room thing. And you get, you create your own avatar from your picture and it's not even a real you. (laughs) <laughs> you know what's funny I remember this what was this black mirror there was like a limited series of like really mind-bending sort of stuff mm. like sort of telling us how we're going to like various episodes that kind of basically fictionalized how we're going to relate to each other in the future yeah and one of them was essentially these two men who would meet up in a VR space and they fell in love with each other in the VR space one of them based on their avatars and based who they're attracted mm. to and the very bizarre thing I think did they know that they were I'm not sure if they knew that they're very good friends and so forth. And they and the complication is that one had a female avatar in the game and the other had a male avatar. And they, I think right. that they, they themselves identify as heterosexual, but strangely yeah. when they found out that these, they're two guy friends and they're both sort of like, and also like having sex on and, and like having hot steamy sex in this, in this VR space, when they found out that they, each other were the avatar, they actually were like shrug okay, well, I guess we'll keep going because we love it. And it was, the weird thing was like kind of reconciling that they're the same but different people in the VR space. But so all sorts of weird stuff. So no, I mean, to be honest, does this surprise me? No, this episode on Black Mirror was actually pretty Well, I saw a film, I think the film was called Her. And it was Mm. about, um, in set in the future, this was about five years ago, something like Mm. that. But it was set in the future where people had relationships with computers. Yeah. And they took the computer out for, for dinner, but everybody was doing it. It was just normal. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it was fictional, but still you can see how, you know, maybe over time, but then are we just closing off to anything at all that's kind of human-like and everything that we're attaching to is is digital and not real? I mean, you look... Is that where we're heading? It's so weird that... that. I know, but it really is a testament to like, why are we attracted to relationships? Because we feel understood, like the person really gets us. And if that's an AI avatar, like if that's artificial intelligence, then if we feel understood and loved, it almost doesn't matter whether that is a human being or not, because, and it speaks to our need. Our need is to feel understood and loved. And and maybe that supersedes the physical. Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not buying it. But also what? Uh- the whole thing about human beings is that we're not the same. That's where the beauty comes in. I know, but AI really skates that edge. I think more and more we're going to be asking ourselves, like, what is real anyways? Well, we could ask that question anyway. But <laughs> that Again, that gets into our midnight hour where we start pouring yeah. the drinks. <laughs> mm, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is awesome. Isn't it a wonderful thing to think about? And yeah. it's, I wonder, does that tell us, like, what are we seeking as human beings? If VR sex, if VR relationship and meeting and dating are enough, are sufficient, then what are the elements of that that we can replicate in our own physical lives right now? And really, that yeah, it's it's deep listening. Maybe we listen more when we're not physical. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think what it calls for is that there's a real, um, there is, we know that loneliness is, is a big um issue across the globe mm-hmm. and we know that people are really struggling because as human beings we don't like to we like to have con- connection community we like to feel like you know it's not just us on our own with our own thoughts mm-hmm. and that's all that we've got and with this move to not working in offices working remotely people are starting to feel it a lot more mm-hmm. and I think that's where some of the technology stuff comes in is um that people are really looking for that connection so that is the technology filling the space mm. but I still feel like we're missing something because there's a there's a reason why we're not connecting and really we're designed to connect we're gregarious creatures yeah. so what is it that is stopping us from doing that and why are we turning to a you know a computer or something digital to do that yeah yeah. And there's a whole there's a whole host of skills there that then get lost and over time I mean, what does that then mean for kind of the future of work? Like, oh, there's yeah. all kinds of ramifications there. If we can't communicate with each other, how do we do? How do we do business? How do we get things done? How do we support each other? There's a whole. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right, you've opened a can of worms now. <laughs> no, totally. Because even like, because I also do career coaching and so forth, and even networking, going up to yeah. people, cold calling people, um, being able to have a conversation with eye contact and all the body language. Yeah. that is required to have an appropriate conversation with people, depending on sort of the, your level of acquaintance with them. Yeah. Those are social skills that take a lot of work. And we know it because when folks don't have those skills, it, it's very hard to sort of make those up as an adult if yeah. you don't have those. So no, it, it's so true. Mm. Um, it's certainly a, a shifting of tides. We're, we're going in a different direction. And listen, Sarah, you and I are old. <laughs> We're old. I don't know hey. what the kids are doing these days. I know, but it's like the kids hey, are I'm doing... not old. I know. But you know, like our grandparents were like stick in the mud, weird people who grew up in a different age that we couldn't even mm. identify with or recognize. And I suppose we're going to be the same way where... I don't know. I don't feel like I totally didn't identify with them, but <laughs> I no, I don't know. 
I yeah. I, I think, isn't it? a podcast on this. Oh, I tell you. I tell you. But okay, so now I consider myself warned. There's weird shit coming up in the future. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. So okay. Get ready well, to create your avatar in the metaverse. <gasps> Ooh. I don't have a social media avatar. A lot of folks have done that. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm holding out. But maybe I guess I need to get my uh, Gina um, brushed off. <laughs> my Gina avatar. Yeah. yeah. Where's Gina when you need her? Oh, yeah. She's going to, I know, what, I already know what she's going to be dressed in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh righty. All right. Well, um, I think we should move on to our topic before we spend um, the whole podcast talking about the relationship news. I know, <laughs> which we could always do sometimes. Certainly uh, cause to stir this week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So are you ready for a hot topic? Yes, let's go. is navigating life after an affair. Oh, I don't know what's happening, but there's a lot of affairs going on these days. Do you think? I mean, that's my professional experience. Uh. <laughs> I'm having a lot of affair-themed coaching sessions these mm. days. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, are we coming out of pandemic where we're not locked down anymore? I don't know. I have no idea. But shit's kicking off is basically what's going on. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't think I'd have the energy. <laughs> there are some who would say, there, where, where is all this extra energy? But there are some people who are finding the energy. I know. Mm. I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a roaring, like, can of worms, don't you think? Mm. I, don't, I wonder if we're going to So I think, on this one. Yeah. So I think the first thing is what constitutes an affair, right? Is, mm. It, mm. is it, like, emotional? Is it physical? Is it a one-off is it a snog in a nightclub is it a one-night stand is it a long-standing affair like and and probably you'll have two different views potentially in a relationship about what you constitute as as having an affair or not so mm -hmm. if I'm really friendly with somebody and they're kind of like my work husband then does that mean I'm having an affair with them if I confide in them or mm -hmm. ask them questions or lean on them for support like does that does that constitute an affair to somebody or um you know is it just if it's physical or kind of something happens or there's that kind of element of I guess kind of sneaking around that kind of skulking like I'm kind of I'm doing something that I shouldn't be therefore I'm not going to tell somebody therefore does that constitute an affair like mm. where's the lane is the first thing and you could have different views on this Oh, I can assure you, I, from personal experience, <laughs> I can assure you, like, if you assume that every person has the same idea, you are assuming wrong, my friend, because it's shocking yeah. sometimes how there can be very creative interpretations of what's monogamy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's kind of the first part, really, is like, you know, who, how do you define that? How can you agree? How can you come to some sort of... Um, agreement and ideally you'd be doing that up front so that you're not in this situation where you've then got to navigate life after it because you understand the rules and you understand um you know what's acceptable and what isn't within your relationship so ideally you know do that ahead of time do we no um you know do we have those conversations not really because if we have the conversation we've got to think about it it's not really something we want to think yeah, about exactly, yeah. um so that kind of avoidance strategy comes in which it, you know ever really work but um you've got <laughs> so it yeah so yeah. ideally you'd be having that kind of upfront. but then I think 
you know, if you do, so let's say, you know, we, we both agree it is an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, the navigation after that um, can take kind of a long time before you're in a position where you actually both feel secure again yeah. in the relationship. And I think it's a situation where we get, we can get really caught up with the act of what's happened Mm -hmm. and lose sight of some of the reasons as to why it's happened. And we can also use it as ammunition to score points, which then kind of doesn't really help to repair the situation. So I think there's some real danger points there um, if you find yourself in this situation to navigate because you can, it's human nature, right? We want to kind of blame somebody. We want somebody to feel the pain that we felt. So I'm really hurting and I want to make you hurt as well because you've been a dick and you've done this and you shouldn't have done. And you can, it's that real kind of like aggrieved um, position that we come from. Um, But that doesn't help the healing process. That just helps to prolong the agony that you're in. Yeah, like a purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have learned, and the reason why I'm, I'm getting sort of getting muscle flexing about this recently just because there's a lot of affairs that I'm Mm. coaching folks around. So um, I'm really leaning on the work of Esther Perel. And she's Mm. studied hundreds, if not thousands of couples in terms of how they've dealt with affair. And she's just like you say, there's sort of three patterns that she's seen in the folks who decide to stay together. And by the way, there's more people deciding to stay together after affair Mm. than before. Because usually be like, ditch that guy, you can do better. You know, they had an affair, don't forgive him. He's, and I say him, right? But you know, that stereotypes. (laughs) But actually, there's a lot of folks who are actually saying, no, you know what, this is an opportunity to redefine and relaunch and reinvent our relationship. So but, you know, Esther Perel sees three main patterns, or at least she did when she sort of published like the mating in captivity, and then the um, state of affairs, or whatever, her books. Uh, So the one is like you talk about the one that decide to stay stuck in the resentment purgatory and the punishment purgatory. And the, the, the transgressor is put in this gate of hell. And the other Mm. one decides never to forgive them, not to ever have sex with them again. And it's, it's just toxic and horrible. The second one is they, where they seem to get over it, but they, and they kind of meet this comfortable cadence, but they don't actually grow from the experience. They just kind Mm. of, it's more business as usual and just sweep it under the rug yeah and then yeah, the third brush it aside yeah mm. and hope and that's it never happens again <laughs> hope it never happens again and but kind of a lackluster situation mm. and, then th- and then the third is t- totally transformed like completely reinvented in terms of a relationships where they start to see this affair as something that happened to us not mm. oh they did this and i was the victim it's yeah. it was an event like a like an illness like a financial crisis that they got over and they became mm. better and so, and just like you say, like, we don't talk about death. We don't prepare for death. I'm not going to say that affair is as inevitable as death, but it's kind of high up there. Like a lot of relationships will deal with some sort of infidelity event, whether both define it as such or one define it's whether like porn, um, a whole bunch of other things that like, mm. yeah, totally like a work spouse where you're dishing details of your relationship to your work spouse like that happens Mm. all the time is that cheating some would say hell yeah it is right yeah so you know we we, just like you say we've got to get comfortable talking about affair like at the very beginning of our relationship kind of like death the more that you're prepared yeah but we don't do that and so then we find ourselves in this situation and then it's about how do we 
how do we recover? How do we move on? And I think it's great to say we're going to see this as a rebirth, da da da. But I'm sorry, but if you've just caught your fella cheating, the the last thing on your mind at that stage is, oh, what a brilliant chance to have a rebirth. <laughs> like it's not the first thing that comes to mind, is it? And I Absolutely. get what you're saying. It is if we can use it as a as a, a, a way to kind of heal, and it, we need to be in that space where we can feel like we can heal from it, yeah. to the end process it to be able to deal with it and make that decision. So the thing that kind of sprung to mind when I was thinking about this hot topic is, you know, using the principles of um, of core dynamics that mm-hmm. some of the training that Anna and I have done, where you start with that awareness the um acceptance choice and then trust the process thereafter so the awareness is i've found out that i'm in this situation either you know your partner's fessed up and gone look i've done something i shouldn't have done um or you find out by accident or you know that or somebody tells you i don't know there's a way that you that you kind of you discover that something is going on that's the most painful part because right there in that moment it's so raw mm-hmm. And you can't believe that it's happening. It's kind of like you're stuck in a in a nightmare that you never wanted to be in. It can oh, be got a it. bit like watching a movie playing out that you don't want any part of. And yeah. you're like, and you can understand why people go to that victim mode. Like, why has this happened to me? We go to that kind of blame or that frustration and the anger and we start to hit back because of that. Yeah. But at some stage, we've got to accept that actually it has happened and we can't, we can't move away from that we can't change the past Mm -hmm. it's it's happened we acknowledge it's happened and then we move to choice so we move to what do we want to do about it Mm -hmm. do we want to give it another go and I think at that stage we can start to then think about actually what what can we get out of this how do we turn this situation around yeah and then we've got to trust that it's going to work and that's the hardest part I think is rebuilding that trust in the relationship well and I think and trust really, and it, trust is a process, not sort of an end destination. I think the mm. big thing is trusting yourself because I think what affair can often uncover is that, you know, if you're somebody whose partner has had an affair, you probably realize you've been compromising and sort of settling for less than you deserve or want for a very long mm. time. And that could be happening. And it's an opportunity to redefine what do I need in relationship? What are my asks yeah. from my partner? And what what level, what what sort of bar do I now say, look... I've kind of reassessed things and I want you to be able to step up to this level. This is what bringing your A game to Mm. link our last topic is going to look like for me. And can you do that or not? It's not a matter of, you know, it's almost like if I can now really speak up for what I want, I'm going to trust in myself to be able to reinforce my boundaries. It's, it's probably even more powerful than trusting your partner implicitly because but I think it can have the opposite effect. So you can go to a place where actually I don't trust anything about myself anymore. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't know how to. And I don't know how to move beyond that. I don't know, like it's happened. Yeah, this has happened to me. This is my fault. You know, we can take the blame. We can oh, yeah. um, say, well, if I was prettier, if I was smarter, if I didn't, if I hadn't have had two kids, like we can go down a whole route of of self loathing that. So you can, you can have the complete opposite effect where it doesn't actually give you any additional power at all. It just makes you feel even crapper right. than you felt before you found out because those feelings will still be there and it's just going to uncover them. And and that's the work to be done because the thing is the affair has nothing to do with you. Like if you're the, if you're the person whose partner has cheated, their act of, of doing whatever they did has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. I, mm, yes and no. 
but it has something to do with the relationship. There's a reason. Ah, And it may yes. not be directly 100%, yeah. although in some instances it can be. I mean, if you, if you know that you don't pay a partner any attention, you haven't got any connection, and you've not done anything about that, then... You know, it's not to say anybody, I'd, I don't think you should look for kind of a blame in this situation because I just don't think it's helpful. Yeah. But it is about uncovering what are the core reasons why we're in this place, yeah. but why we are in this place, not kind of why have you done this to not me. Not me or them. Um, yeah. And I think it's coming from that position, which is, okay, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, why do we, you know, why are we disconnected or whatever the kind of underlying reasons are? Um, and is it possible to get it back? And that that's part of that kind of um, choice mm-hmm. is starting to uncover that to see well, what choices do I have? Which ones do I feel more comfortable with? Yeah. What choice do we have as a couple? And where do we want to go? And I think the choice too is getting really clear on what you, you know, it's so funny. We don't, we take for granted I think a lot of us take for granted like what we want in terms of the fidelity, what fidelity means to us. Mm. But actually, we very rarely proactively define it. I think, Mm. you know, some folks might define themselves as monogamous. Um, I don't think affair always has to do with something pathologically along with the relationship. There are some folks who are actually not monogamous people. They're polyamorous Mm. people. They're polysexual people. And that this narrow definition of, of marriage or togetherness sort of, they're like, oh, sure, I guess the world sort of expects monogamy. So I guess I'm going to go along with it, but I'm going to secretly do stuff on the side because I'm actually kind of a different person. An affair is a nice opportunity to really find out like, are you a monogamous person or are you not a monogamous person? And then what, what is your natural state of being? And what is my natural state of being? And is there any sort of cohesiveness yeah, there. but I think what's wrong with that situation is it's dishonest. So you're not being honest about who you are as a person. And so then, of course, there's no trust in the relationship because you weren't you were secretly wanting different things and you didn't share that with me. And you've gone out and found them for yourself. And mm-hmm. and I'm sat here thinking that we're in a completely different relationship. Yeah. Like, that is no good. <laughs> it is no good. But you know what? After an affair, it's all out on the table. Like that, the great thing about an affair is it blows the truth right open. Yeah, but just be honest, like from the outset, just if you, if it's not working for you, don't kind of go off and do something in secret. Just say, I know. But this that's... isn't working. This isn't what I want. This I'd I prefer know. to do whatever, but don't, don't do it behind somebody's back. It's just not fair. Like have, have I more know. respect for your partner. But I don't think people really learn that lesson until an affair happens because Mm. we are inherently not honest people like we don't we don't form relationships and commitments with with, and that's why we're as coaches right we don't sit down and talk about the hard stuff and sometimes an affair has to happen to realize that there's I I think an an affair is finally and it's an opportunity to become truthful with each other for the first time in your relationship because I don't think society that opportunity is always there right it's whether you take it before you well, do something else that opportunity to be truthful is always there it's your choice whether you act upon it or not it is but i'm going to give people a fair pass like we're not socialized to be truthful we're socialized to be able to fit into what we perceive other people's expectation is and just think that well maybe if we will it to happen it'll happen i'm going to assume that when i meet people for the first time with relationship coaching they've never been coached before they always come when the wheels are half off the relationship or mm. an affair has happened and they all admit like like me 
I never asked these, I'm going through the same thing right now. And, and I never thought that I could ask and be clear and communicative with my husband. And we're doing this work now, like 17 years mm-hmm. later. So I get it. Like, yeah, no, so, I totally you know, accept that people don't have those conversations, but you do have a choice. I don't think it's that, oh, I just got, got caught out having an affair. Like you didn't, you were, you were yeah. making a choice at the very time that you um, decided to pursue that path. It's, so It's true, but I, it's a blank slate for me. I, I see it as time zero. Um, affair is time zero. It, it's BC time before affair. Yeah. But, you know, but we, we can agree, we can duke that out on, uh, the relationship <laughs> death, death match. <laughs> but this is, my values yeah. are totally playing into this though, because yeah. I have strong values on fairness, on honesty, on, uh, doing the right thing. Like they, that's my value system. That's, um, you know, I'm it's true but I've seen some very good people stumble into affairs and have affairs mm. now yeah. if they do it twice with the same person or like repeatedly eh. and the other thing too you know like you hurt me once that's on you you hurt me twice that's on me so mm. that's you know part of my work is actually we often work with a person who has been hurt whose yeah. whose partner went out and strayed that's actually that's often who we work with as coaches right so mm. um yeah. A lot of them are like, how do I put my life back together? I, yeah. A bomb went off in my relationship. And mm-hmm. that's like, you know, you screwed me over once. You're the dick. If you la- if I let you do that to me twice, yeah. <laughs> that's on me. So that's yeah. kind of and the opportunity. I guess, you know, I coach the, f- the person who's in front of me. And I, it does make me realize that, yeah, I probably coach more folks who've been, well, it's kind of a 50-50. But yeah. Oh, it is a values clash, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think I'm more agnostic <laughs> in my... I think I'm more agnostic in my view of, of, um, you make a massive fuck up and you're, you're able to, I'll give you that one. (laughs) You can fuck up on a major scale. And and I'm not saying that you shouldn't forgive and move on from it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there isn't life after an affair. Mm -hmm. That that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you're making a choice at the time and you can choose to, um, to take a different path. So, um, that's the bit I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to agree to disagree on that a little bit. <laughs> it's almost delicious when this happens. <laughs> absolutely. So, all right. So, but, but no, absolutely. That, that aside, you know, in terms of getting over that, I, I think mm. that you've made some really great points in terms of sort of building things up and some, what other, what other things would you sort of advise to keep in mind? Let's say like you're the person who's been strayed on. How do you not get into that really resentful, keep that resentful kind of purgatory going? I think really consider what, how do I want to show up in this situation? Do I want to be that resentful, bitter, um, punishing person? Because it's, and and what do I want in the end game? What, where do I want to be? Because if I want the relationship to survive and I want to give it a go, then that behavior just isn't going to work. It's not going to get me that end result. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's about taking that time that you need to yourself to heal and process and come to terms with it. Then establishing, okay, what do I want to happen next? How do I want things to proceed? Is it a stay? Is it a go? Is it a maybe? Yeah. Um, but at some stage, you've got to commit to it and you've got to forgive and you've got to be able to move on. Yeah. And I think for the other person, 
that process can take a long time and it also might need a bit of overcompensation around communicating, around transparency, about the, you know, here's almost the proof of where I am and and that I am where I say I am so that there's not that avoidance of doubt there um, where I'm questioning it as the other person because nat- naturally you're going to start to second guess stuff. Well, are they really working late? Yeah. Um, so how do you demonstrate to them that that is what you're doing? Yeah, that's, it's great. You know, like I agree with you that, you know, you're probably going to ha- want to make an extra effort to not be buried in your phone, like checking messages mm. at three in the morning. <laughs> Like even if you're (laughs) texting your sibling in another time zone, like that probably would be something like you're, you're like, I just look, it's too soon. The wounds are too fresh. And I probably just have to kind of really be mindful of, of the optics. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, but one thing too, like, it's so funny, like if, if your partner had an affair and you're feeling really resentful, you're often looking at your partner to do the work, to be trustworthy And then there's these moving goalposts where like the purgatory happens because you're like, you're not trustworthy yet. I don't trust you yet. Mm. The person who has been cheated upon is going to have to make the decision as to whether you'll ever be able to build enough trust sufficiently. And if that trust has been fractured and will never be able to be built again, you have to make that difficult call to say, you know what, something happened and we can't rebuild. But you may not know that straight away. So it might be yeah. a situation where you've got to give it a try, but you have to wholeheartedly give something a try. Yeah. I mean, how many times yeah. do we have conversations with people where, so what effort have you put in then to, to mend a relationship? Oh, well, and when you drill down, actually, there's not kind of, the effort isn't there. We just, we're almost willing it by some sort of power of osmosis that it's going to happen. Yeah. And we're going to be back to kind of how we were before or in a strong position. So we've got to be prepared to put the work in on both sides yeah. Yeah. Um, to be able to, to to commit to that. But you might not know, you know, you might then find six months later, actually, I still don't trust you. Yeah. And in which case it comes back to that choice. So awareness, acceptance and choice. So. Yeah. And seeing, and I think Esther Perel also mentions, like, what what do you mean by trust? Because trust mm. has many different facets, and it's not a binary yes, no thing. So you might trust them to, to take care of you in your illness or to be there for the hard moments. Will you necessarily trust them to not have an affair again? I, honestly, like, it, both professionally and personally, I can never discount the possibility that my partner will have an affair again. I mm. I cannot exclude that possibility. I don't think any of us can. Yeah. I think that the strength, the, the pull to do something secretive um, in any way, not just an affair with another person, but just some sort of like surreptitious sexual or intimate kind of, again, porn. I think about porn, right? I think there's a lot of stuff that is pulling us to sort of stray outside of what whatever we've... Uh, so I think it's just a, it's a, it's a work in motion. It's a work in progress. Mm. Yeah. And I guess if I can trust my partner enough without it ever being 100%, I guess. Could I, could I say, do I trust them not to throw me under the bus and intentionally hurt me? Mm. You know, maybe that's a marker. Yeah. What's your marker for trust? Like what's the minimum requirement for trust for you in a relationship? I think it's that believability that you, and feeling secure. So yeah, if you've been through that situation, you might think, well, do you know what? There is a possibility that it might happen again, but for me now, I feel secure enough in this relationship. So do I feel secure enough as opposed to, you know, I 100% trust my partner, but do I feel secure enough? It's that security. Do I feel 
like I'm in the right place. That's what you want to try and get back to. And that's a feeling you create yourself. Your partner yeah, can't make you feel any of that. They can't make you feel any of that. However, their actions and behavior will contribute correct. to that. Yeah, correct. So it is about doing the things that you say you're going to do. It is about yeah. that transparency, particularly in a situation like that. So how do I demonstrate where I am? And, and yeah. how do I be back on time? How do I, you know whatever it is I've signed up to whether yeah. that's you know being more open with communication yeah. okay how do I bring that to this relationship because that's what it's going to take for my partner to trust me again and also to own the reason for the affair and even if it was like yeah. just a night of passion I wanted to do something rebellious or I was depressed and I yeah. acted out or uh, I am a polyamorous person and I was never I never had the confidence to admit that to myself or others mm. um that's your ability to own that why. Yeah, you've got to take accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I wouldn't yeah. say mend it or fix it, but address it in a way that works for you, in a way that fosters that trust building with your partner. So that's, yeah, the sense of security, that's a cool thing. Yeah, but you've got to acknowledge what, in that accountability, taking accountability, you've got to acknowledge what you've done yeah. to the relationship and how you've made your partner feel in that process. For sure. So that's For sure. taking ownership. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where we agree because I I don't, <laughs> I think that everybody can stumble into making some super horrible choices and, and, and mm. cheating. But I think that that being said is take full, <laughs> yeah, take full yeah. ownership. I, I'm yeah. not surprised that many people will do that just because of societal expectation to live within such a narrow definition of like monogamy as a default setting, but own your shit. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. right. Own your shit. Yeah. 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 Oh, I feel like we could rumble on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Somebody stop me. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I feel like we should skip to a question. Oh, let's do it. Let's do <laughs> as it. As fun and entertaining as that was. <laughs> yep. Okay. Are you ready for a question? Oh, yeah. This week's question is quite a lengthy one. So buckle up. Get ready. Okay. My 17-year-old daughter is starting out on her dating life. I seem to be more nervous about this than she is. What advice should I give her and what advice would you give to me about how to worry less about this and how to avoid being an embarrassing parent and how to seem interested in what's happening without seeming like I'm prying? I got to give this person props because like they're being so measured. If I can sort of summarize is like mm. my daughter's starting to date. I'm freaking out because I know there's a bunch of douchey people out there and yeah. there could be some, and everybody has to learn by making some stupid mistakes. Mm. Not my daughter who I still think of as a little four month old. And I'm like, yeah. so not ready. Please somebody get me my straight jacket. That's kind of what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I do wonder oh. if, if this is um, kind of a male obviously it's a it's a dad asking the question but I do wonder because yeah. I don't necessarily feel that way about my daughter mm. but yeah do you feel differently if you're a man and yeah. like you say you know what boys are like <laughs> and so assuming that this this daughter is dating boys as part yes. of the people that they're dating it's true is like if you are a dad and you know the male mentality, like you know what it is like if your daughter's starting to date and they're dating other 15 or 16 year olds, like you're like, mm. I know what that mentality is yeah. and it ain't pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if there's kind of more of that. I think 
the tricky thing is, and you, you said it there when you said, you know, still imagine them being a four month old and fully dependent on you. And, and I think there is that that challenge, isn't there, with um, parenting where you you still want to be there kind of all and everything. And so because of that, you find it very difficult to understand that you're not you're not there kind of everything. And and how do you I mean, you're a parent and I'm not like, how do you in many ways, allow your person, your child to actually mm. become their own person whose choices don't reflect you because they're an, an entirely different autonomous human being. I think I accepted a, a long time ago, actually, that my kids are their own human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really helps a lot because then when they do things that maybe wouldn't be choices that you would make, you know, it's not you're not taking it as a kind of personal slate because mm-hmm. you know that they're their own person. And yeah. if it was a friend making that decision, then you wouldn't be as aggrieved, I think, as we are sometimes as parents because we almost, you know, we, yeah, we give, you know, we create these babies, we give birth to them, bring them into, into, into the world. But then at that point, you know, even from kind of day dot, they take influences from everywhere. They're not yeah. just taking influences from you as a parent. You know, they're looking at what other kids are doing in a nursery. They are, they go to school and they're influenced by their teachers. They, you know, go to university and there's a whole host of people that they're then kind of influenced or, you know, whether or not uni, work, like whatever path they go down. They're going to be influenced by so many different people and things, social media, television, films, like you name it. Yeah. Um, so the the quicker we remember that we are not that kind of sole provider and that sole influencer to our children, the easier it becomes when they start to kind of make decisions that aren't aligned with our thinking. Yeah. And we can't stop it, right? It's like a boulder going down a hill. You can't stop <laughs> your kids from growing up. You know, that momentum oh, is yeah. already left. The second that they leave the womb, that's it. Yeah. You know, the momentum, it, it's picking up. And, yeah. and you know, when they get to that age, particularly, that's it's a massive part of the development and they have to go through it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so, that's so profound. We think, too, about, like, teaching our kids to ride a bike. And what do you do when you teach a kid to ride a bike? You provide a safety framework. So you've got a helmet. They've got some training wheels. Yeah. You're hands-on supporting them by their side. But at some point in time, their success is in surpassing you and letting go and taking it on themselves so in a similar way like how do you train your kid to enter their dating and their sexual life in the same way that you would teach a kid to ride a bike knowing that you can't be so hands-on otherwise they'll never they'll actually fall if you're too hands-on and you you give too much anxiety provoking stuff they'll they'll doubt themselves and they'll fall over so tell them they still need a safety helmet oh (laughs) Oh my gosh, zinger. (laughs) Yeah, right. So we know some, uh, and listen, you and I, right, we're both daughters. Um, So we know what it's like to be a teenage kid. And like so many ways, I'm like, they're about the grace of God go on. Like, you know, like, we can all think like, holy shit, we made, we know that we're going to make some poor choices. Mm. It's just a matter of like, how bad are the choices? But we're going to, we're going to, we're going to learn from stumbling and falling, Mm. right? Um, So we will be learning by mistakes in our sexual and dating lives, like for sure. So, but how do we make those calculated risks where like the consequences are small, right? They still Mm. are enough to teach us, but they're not devastating, right? So, so how do you teach your kid to take these calculated risks and how do you teach them to get more and more autonomy and more independence? 
I think a lot of it has to be guided by them because, um, you know, sometimes they won't want to have those conversations and you sitting there and forcing them to have a conversation about the birds and the bees isn't going <laughs> to win anything in that relationship. Yeah. It's not. We've also got to trust them to be able to make the right choices and then have a strong enough relationship so that they know when they don't, they've got somewhere to turn. So I think they're the key things for me is follow their lead in terms of what they want to talk about, what they don't. Um, I <laughs> tell you a funny story. So um, a friend of mine came around with her mum mm. and um, we're having it. It's kind of like visiting and um, and, and I love her mum. She's brilliant. She's mm. in her 80s. Uh, she is still kind of rocking it, right? <laughs> and um, she'd met a new man. And so she was having a Ooh. full-blown conversation about it. Wow. And, in front of our daughter and our daughter's then kind of like <laughs> semi okay with it semi not and it's that type of thing right like so we've got wow. to we've got to have those conversations when where when and where people are ready to have them mm. and we've got to be able to be open enough if if our children allow us to be because if they don't then we're crossing a boundary by forcing some of that conversation mm. but there are ways you know you can still influence you can still um you know kind of drop in a conversation not necessarily targeted at them in a specific situation but just around kind of you know some of the things to watch out for and yeah. um and how to you know how to be healthy and um it might be that you see a storyline on tv and you have a conversation about it or yeah there's something in the news and you discuss that or somebody you know something happens to somebody else and you discuss it as a so it's not a direct conversation about your child and the situation that they're in because that's often when they feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. because it's embarrassing yeah no one wants to have those conversations I yeah. never did with my parents yeah Thank yeah God, but no it, you know it is establishment of trust and an open communication and and part of that I think we're both in line sex ed super early conversations like meeting kids where they're at if they're asking mm. an honest inquisitive question meet them with an honest you know yeah. answer which is informative which is not lying yeah. um anatomy super important penises vulva vagina everything just like just real words for things because what's curious is that when they run into trouble in their sexual lives, they're going to run into mm. in predators who are looking for the kids who don't know how to stand up for themselves and don't mm. know that don't have either the willingness or the comfort around terminology. So if mm. you've got a daughter who's like talking about condoms, penises and vaginas, they're not as likely to be falling prey to predators because they they're demonstrating confidence, yeah. self-awareness. And any kid who's like comfortable with the language is going to know who to call on a bad date and mm. and a predator is not going to go and you know the self-assured person is not going to be their their prey so mm. um just more more information is always information is power with kids like keeping them in the dark is not going to like delay their sexual debut it's gonna probably shorten it and make it a lot more dangerous yeah and i think but it is about I think kids are way more clued up than than we give them credit for. Oh my so God, in these situations, you know, there's chances are there's little that we can that we can teach them, right? Because a lot of it, 
they already know and they know way more than us right. and or than certainly than we did when we were their age because there's a lot more conversation about it it's a lot more open um there's a lot more even just in magazine articles on social media um yeah. so there's a lot more awareness i think that we're we're unlikely to be able to add too much to that but it is about being able to have that that conversation so if they come and they want to have a conversation at 11 o'clock at night because something's happened it's about being available true but but then my and again I'm not a parent so again huge disclaimer but I am a family physician so even like you you have an, a dedicated audience when kids are like five six seven years old three four five six seven years old when they're inquisitive about their physiology their or in their anatomy about the function of their bodies and that's actually when you have like full-on audience with very little influence of other people when they're actually listening to you so, yeah, yeah, but this question, we're talking about somebody who's 17. <laughs> true, <laughs> so true. We've missed, yeah. we've missed the board on yeah. the kind of, you true. know, on the anatomy conversation, um, if we haven't had it by then. <laughs> ah, correct. Okay, so catch up to that's 17. That's what I mean, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very true. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. So how would you advise dads out there to sit on their hands and not freak out and exercise cautious trust? Trust, but with still having you know, sort of that barrier around the trampoline so that if, if shit goes bad, that there's, mm. there is some sort of fail safes and safety nets, but that they're not hovering. I think the dad is super worried about hovering. Well, yeah, I think you've got, you've got no choice, but to try and kind of keep your cool, right? And to, yeah. and take the cues from your child, from your child. Yeah. Who's less of a child at that age, let's face it, yeah. from your young adult, because that's what they are. And remember that they're not five years of age anymore. Yeah. They've moved beyond that. Yeah. So, how would you keep sane on a date, right? Date starts at seven and you're like, okay, curfew or suggested time of getting mm. back is 1130. How do you not freak out during those like four or five hours wondering what the hell's going on? Oh, find something else to do, like occupy your mind. Watch, yeah. I don't know, watch a movie, right? do go yeah. and play sport, watch sport, whatever. Go out with um, your mates, yeah, but not something. to the same bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, huh? Yeah, yeah, totally. Just occupy yourself. Put it out of your mind because what's the point of sitting there stewing over something that you've got no control of at that yeah. stage yeah oh tough and if you do you know if you go too far all you're going to do is damage your relationship yeah your relationship and staying intact is the most important thing when we're in these kind of trickier times of parenting because mm -hmm. it is weird like if shit goes wrong and it's like oh dad i need a I need a ride right now. Mm. You cannot have had this acrimony that will prevent your daughter from phoning you yeah. at first. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <gasps> oh, this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You've got to grow up. It's part of life. Like, yeah. and, and if you can accept that, you'll feel okay with it. Yeah. Safety first though. Yeah. Maybe a condom jar or a condom bowl at the front door. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Slipping a condom in and being like, hey, always have this in your purse. Yeah. Yeah. Safety first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Having your helmet there. Mm. Always wear your helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something I've learned is that, I don't, you know, it depends on the school. Of course, you know, in the U.S., there's like major um, censoring, censoring on education. But, mm. you know, one of the things we're not taught how to put a condom on and how to negotiate that. I think, and I've always talked about this, one of the things too is that it's frequently like, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, during sex or whatnot, whatnot is it's frequently a partner will be like, are you sure we need a condom? Can I take mm. this off? So I think one of the education points is how to make folks aware of like, even if I have to say no a thousand times, that's still a boundary yeah. I'm going to enforce. And the hardest thing is that 
middle of the act, like, hey, mm. do we have to keep wearing this condom? Yeah. And to be like, uh, yes, we do. <laughs> it's always going to be. It's a- having your non-negotiables, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And um, and I think if you if you think about it in that way, it makes it a lot easier to say it. Yeah. Because you're not second guessing yourself in your own mind. You've yeah. told yourself this is black and white. It's it's black, yeah. It's a definite yes, that's the route that we're going down. It's never a no. And I think if you get crystal clear in your own mind, you'll have less of an issue by then saying, no, I'm sorry. This is the way we're going. And it's practice. It's funny. Mm. Like if you hear yourself saying it again and again, it's practice. And then you'll also realize that like a lot of people ask during intercourse like can we take this off and when you realize the ridiculousness of how common Mm. it is then you're like oh my god no (laughs) and that's a no for everybody because everyone's going to try to take that damn condom off like for me i mean the reason why i bring it up is for me i think we've talked you're you're very boundaried i've not Mm. been boundaried with condoms i've I've found it very very hard because when Mm. somebody asks right in the middle are you sure then it makes me think hmm i don't know maybe i should be flexible maybe i shouldn't be such a uh you know a a rigid person and it's just take it's me taking me a lot to realize like pretty much everyone asks it's Mm. comical it's so ridiculous and that's no it's a no for you it's a no for everyone it's always going to be a no like screw off with your like no (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah just be firm yeah you got it right well I think we're clear. It's definitely a no. <laughs> no is a full sentence. It has a it has a period behind it. A no yeah. dot. Yeah. It needs no further clarification. Yeah. All right. Well, that was spicy. It's quite a podcast. Was a <laughs> podcast indeed. <laughs> it was a pleasure recording uh, with you, my lovely. Oh, as always. Mm, yeah. Yeah. All right then. So till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.